Council didn't trust me. So how can I trust myself? What about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. I know you believe in me, Anakin, and I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Not now. The Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you are making a mistake. Maybe. But I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council... ...and without you. I understand. More than you realize... ...I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. I know. Welcome, everyone, from across the universe to the Wampa's Lair Podcast. Star Wars is for everyone, so pull up a chair, get comfortable, and join the conversation with your hosts, Carl LeClaire and Jason Hunt, here in the Wampa's Lair. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the Wampus Lair Podcast. This is episode number 524, Top 5 Ahsoka Moments. I'm, as always, one of your hosts, Jason Hunt, and with me, the Anakin Skywalker to my Plo Koon, we've got Carl LeClaire. Listen, you may have found Ahsoka, but she's my Padawan. Oh, Kotuya, Master Skywalker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness, here we are sitting just hours away from the premiere of the new show, and uh, we figured it'd be a great opportunity to look back on all the incredible moments that Ahsoka has already given us through Clone Wars, Rebels, Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, novels, um, so much good Ahsoka stuff to to cover, and uh, figured this was the perfect time to hit a top five on this um, and Absolutely. that's exactly what we're going to be doing, Jason. I'm super excited about it. Uh, we've never looked back into the top five on Ahsoka, which is very strange because she's come up in conversation with a lot of other topics that we've done over the years. So I'm glad we decided to finally do this topic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Me too. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, gosh, you can't, you can't talk Ahsoka without, of course, first and foremost, just given credit to Ashley Eckstein who who really gave voice literally and in so many ways to this character and yeah. you know it created just such a culture of uh, of fandom through through Ashley specifically right he creating yes. her universe and such a such a plethora of incredibly beautiful um wardrobes and clothing lines for star Wars. And that's all connected to the character of Ahsoka. Um, So very exciting to have Rosario Dawson now stepping into that role. I think she has very big shoes to fill and have yet to see her fill them (laughs) so far in my opinion. Um, But very excited for, for her stepping into that role in the TV show. Um, But uh, yeah, Jason, we, there's so much stuff to talk about with Ahsoka, but we kept ourselves to just five for this episode to hopefully get, you all excited for this this incredibly powerful character um and without further ado jason i i'm gonna call on you to kick off this top five conversation well sounds like a plan to me uh well the first uh moment i want to talk about is uh from a season two um episode from the clone wars called lightsaber lost uh and it's (laughs) primarily you know I could have picked so many little moments from from this because I love just the interaction between Ahsoka and Terrace Newbig. Obviously, Ahsoka just it being Anakin's Padawan, 
uh, is a go, 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 go type of person. She's impatient. She needs to get things done now. And throughout the entire episode, Tara Sanube is just telling her to slow down or you're not going to find what you're looking for. Um, and, you know, there's, like I said, there's so many little moments I could have picked because there, there's a, a just a whole arc between the two of them that's absolutely fantastic. But the one moment that always stands out in my mind from this episode is when she's uh, failed to catch... Um, I forget the bounty hunter's name, but the Trillian Django jumper. Mm. And she's left there on the, you know, the side of a building on Coruscant and Terrace Nube shows up in the speeder bike. Uh, and then they, I hesitate to say take off <laughs> to go catch uh, <laughs> the, the, the people who stole her lightsaber because uh, like any senior citizen, um, Terrace Nube tends to sit in the fast lane and go slow. Um, <laughs> and, and he's just there on the speeder bike going slow in the, 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 the sky lane there. And Ahsoka's like, we maybe want to hurry up. And he's like, don't worry. We'll cut them off at the train station. You know, he knows exactly where he's going. He'll get there eventually, but, uh, it'll be in time. Uh, but yeah, just that moment always stands out to me of the two of them on the speeder bike in the middle of traffic going too slow for traffic. Um, it just epitomizes everything about the two of them. She's like, you want to hurry? But she's not super impatient because she's learning. Uh, and obviously at the end of it, he helps her get her saber back before Anakin finds out that she lost it because, you know, that would have been terrible. <laughs> but lightsaber lost. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one of my favorite Clone Wars episodes. And, and I love that it's just a standalone episode. Uh, and like you said, it really does just kind of personify the difference in these characters, the difference between youth and uh, and and being older, right? The the older we get, the more we want life to slow down so we can enjoy it. But when we were young, we just want to speed ahead. And I think that's that's very much who Ahsoka is in the Clone War. And, you know, not only is Ahsoka just a young person with impatience, but she's also a, a, a product of the Clone War, right? She always wants to be mm -hmm. springing into action. And that's something I know I'll, I'll be mentioning a little bit later with uh, some of my moments as well. Is that I think that's a very real part of who Ahsoka is in her character, especially in the Clone War. Yeah, definitely. Well, what about you? What's uh, what's your number five? Yeah, my my number five is also from the Clone Wars, and it is from the episode Wookiee Hunt, so the finale of season three. And this is the episode where Ahsoka and and several other Jedi Padawan have been captured by Trandoshan hunters. And the Trandoshan hunters are simply they capture people for sport. They, you know, drop them off on this planet and then they hunt them, uh, which oddly enough reminds me of uh, and I'm sure it was inspired by this one of my favorite short stories i remember reading in high school was a story called the most dangerous game which is essentially the same premise it's a very very wealthy man who kidnaps people puts them on an island and then hunts them it's very dark and brutal um, but that's very much what this episode is um yeah. and what i really appreciate about uh, ahsoka in this in this particular episode right it's a, it's a, it's a two episode arc um but here in this final episode uh um, Ahsoka has teamed Wookie up with Hunt. these other uh, Jedi Padawan who have been mm -hmm. technically they were all younglings. She teams up with these younglings. So in a lot of ways, right, Ahsoka is kind of their senior um, being that she's at least a Padawan. Uh, and she she's particularly teams up with one of the one of the younglings, Khalifa. And when Khalifa is killed, Ahsoka goes back to the other two Jedi younglings, Jinx and Omer. Um, and shares with them that she's fallen and the other two younglings kind of fall into this state, this state of despair. But Ahsoka basically says, listen, we're not going to go. I, I at least will not go down without a fight. Um, and, and I, I really appreciate this moment because it shows us the type of character Ahsoka is, uh, that she, uh, she's going to fight till the end, which again, kind of to the point we were briefly mentioning with your moment there, Jason is being kind of this uh, product of the clone war, right? Like Ahsoka is coming up in her Jedi 
sensibilities in the midst of a war. So she's very much a warrior. And as a warrior, she's going to keep fighting. Um, but what I think is also really important about this particular moment is that for Ahsoka, who is the Padawan of Anakin Skywalker, who is the master of the impossible, Ahsoka doesn't really believe in no-win scenarios, right? For Ahsoka, nothing is impossible. And I think that that's very much a product of being the Padawan of Anakin. Um, so yeah. for Anakin, or excuse me, so for Ahsoka, you know, in this moment, she just kind of doubles down on her resolve that that nothing is unbeatable. And kind of her confidence and and her drive to to see this through really inspires those other Jedi younglings. And of course they're able to, to win the day. Um, so it's, it's very much a testament to who Ahsoka is as a, as a young Padawan that, um, you know, she sees herself as a Jedi warrior more than I would even see as a Jedi Knight. And, and also being the, the student of Anakin, you know, Ahsoka doesn't believe in no win scenarios. No, no, she definitely doesn't. And that's such a good, uh, pair of episodes. Uh, obviously, it's fun because you know it's fun in addition to the fact that we we get Chewie thrown in the midst there. But the story really is Ahsoka um, having to put into practice everything that she's learned from Anakin in order to survive and to make sure that these Jedi younglings survive as well. Obviously, you know Khalifa doesn't quite make it, but. She's able to shepherd the rest of them through um, in no small part to the training that she has received and the the ability that she has uh, developed over the course of the Clone Wars so far with her skills and, uh, you know, her her will to not accept the impossible. (laughs) Um, And it's it's really is a great pair of episodes and shows the growth uh, that she's had uh, in her skills and in her confidence in herself um, that we, you know, are able to see over the course of the, the seasons. So fantastic pick. I love it. Yeah. Moving uh, to your number four. Number, number four for me. Um, I'm actually going to take a quick step out of animation uh, and I'm going to grab a moment from Mandalorian Chapter 13, uh, The Jedi. And this is Ahsoka's duel with Morgan Elsbeth. Uh, there, uh, I forget the name of the planet. Um, but I, I just love so much about this duel. It's, it's, the, the two characters are very strong to me. Uh, I, it's obviously, our first real look at what Rosario Dawson can do as Ahsoka. Um, but just the, the music and the cinematography and everything and the, the history that we're sort of hinted at between these two characters. I really like it. Um, I don't have like a super deep reason about it. Uh, it's just a really cool scene to me and one that I hope, we really get to see expounded on in the Ahsoka show uh, because obviously both of these characters are going to be returning. So I'll be very curious to see uh, if we get a rematch, uh, but it's also just really cool to, to see, you know, Ahsoka going up against someone using a best car spear uh, and just the different fighting styles involved in that. It's just, it's just a really cool, fun uh action sequence and everybody knows I'm a fan of really cool fun action sequences <laughs> so this is definitely one of those for me uh, and uh, like I said something I'm curious to see if we get more of in the future yeah it's a it, what a great duel um, and and very samurai like you know just the, yes. just the way they fight it, it's it's not a you know episode three duel where it's so fast you can barely follow it uh there's there's just such a precision in the strikes and the way that the the fight choreography kind of lends itself to uh, to a very samurai-esque style of fighting um and i think what's also great about that moment is 
we learn kind of why Ahsoka's even there. She's she's clearly mm-hmm. on, you know on Morgan Elsbeth's tail because she's looking for Thrawn. Um, right. So just it kind of reiterates that the Ahsoka we left in Rebels is is an Ahsoka that is still on a mission to to make sure that Thrawn and the threat of Thrawn is neutralized. So. Uh, it, it shows us an Ahsoka that is still committed to a fight that perhaps the New Republic is ignorant of, you know, so very mm-hmm. much a character who's willing to act on her own to do what is right. Uh, and I think that's pretty important. Yeah, exactly. And, and uh, honestly, while while the, the choreography is really, really good, uh, some of my favorite moments, I guess, if you will, like the impact of the fight is almost like the stuff that we can't see where we have... Mm-hmm. Uh, Mando and the the bodyguard, um, and I'm I'm blanking on his name. The soldier outside, and they're listening to the dueling going back and forth. Uh, and the the soldier's like, "Hmm, I wonder who's going to prevail. Is it going to be you? Is it going to be me? You know, and all that stuff." So it, and we can just hear the the clashing sounds of the saber and the spear together uh, while while they have their standoff. Uh, it's just a really cool aspect to all of that too. So, yeah, yeah that's true. Um, what about you? What's uh, your number four? Yeah, uh, well, my number four is uh, we're gonna we're gonna step back into animation. We're gonna go head over to Rebels, and this comes from uh, the episode "The Future of the Force" season two, episode ten, and it's when Ahsoka comes in to basically rescue. Uh, Kane and Ezra and Zeb from the seventh sister and the fifth brother, uh, you know, <laughs> kind of to the point you were just making, Jason, right, with the, the duel with Morgan Elsbeth. This is just another really great duel. And and I love that, you know, for through the season one, the Grand Inquisitor is the biggest, you know, antagonist to to our heroes. And now you've got, you know, they've learned that there's all these other Inquisitors that they're just you know, Kanan and Ezra, they're overwhelmed. Our ghost crew is overwhelmed. But then Ahsoka shows up and just owns them. <laughs> like, yeah. she just kicks the Sith spit out of the, you know, <laughs> the, the seventh sister and the fifth brother. And and I like this not just for the sake of, you know, the, the excitement of the duel itself um, and showing us just how strong of a duelist Ahsoka still is. But I think more than anything... That this episode and, and what this duel kind of represents is that Ahsoka is willing to stand up uh, in the fight against the dark side. You know, even if Ahsoka doesn't particularly identify as a Jedi, um, she she has a conversation with Kanan in this episode that they're aware that, you know, these Inquisitors are trying to, ste- you know, kidnap Force-sensitive children. Um, Mm -hmm. And Ahsoka alludes to the fact that that was something that was happening during the Clone War. You know, the Sith, there was a Sith Lord trying to do the same thing. Um, But now that the Jedi Order is gone, Ahsoka agrees with Kanan that it's kind of their duty to protect those children. Um, So, again, it's it's this this opportunity where Ahsoka steps into the light. I mean, and, and if you watch this scene again, like that's literally what happens, you know, the doors open and there's all this light behind her. And, you know, Ahsoka, this character of the light is kind of stepping in to the domain of the dark side to try to hold that at bay. So this episode really, to me, represents that, you know, however Ahsoka chooses to identify this stage of the story, she has chosen to step into the fight against the dark side. Um, and, and, and shows that she is very capable <laughs> of, uh, of, of being victorious in that fight. Um, so yeah, you know, I, I, I just, I just really love this because it's, it's the first instance in rebels where we really get to see Ahsoka step into the light and, and just show how gifted she still is. Um, so yeah, that's my number four. It's so good. Like if we had honorable mentions for this episode, this would be on my honorable mentions. It's such a great moment. Um, I love the duel. I love, as you said, the moment where where it's revealed that she's there, uh, coming to the rescue. The the light, you know, silhouettes behind her as the door opens and she steps forward. And I love not only just how expertly she handles the two inquisitors, but she still has some of the, she has become more of a, 
a traditional Jedi, if you will, at this stage in her life than she had than she was as a Padawan, because the way that she fights against these two, she obviously completely owns them. It's not even a fair fight. But she's not striking out of anger or aggression. Everything is defense, and she uses the force to disable and to disarm her opponents many, many times. Uh, and she doesn't go for any sort of killing blows the entire duel. You know, it, it was something I noticed last time. I'm, I'm currently trying to squeeze in a full Rebels rewatch right before Ahsoka starts. I'm I'm a few episodes short of achieving that. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, going through and watching again, I, I just noticed that she didn't really go for any killing blows when she had the perfect chance to do so a couple of times. Uh, she's more there to just defend and to uh, disable rather than kill. And it was something I just noticed. It was really, really a cool moment of growth for her as well in that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, well, take us into your number three, Jason. Well, number three, I'm heading back to the Clone Wars. Um, <laughs> and this is the from season seven, uh, the episode Shattered, which is the second to last episode of the Clone Wars. And it's Ahsoka doing everything she can to save Rex after Order 66 happens. You know, Order 66 goes down, clones turn on her, she does what she has to do, uh, but through all of that, she knocks Rex out and does everything she can to, to figure out what happened, to see if there's a way to save him, to see if there's a way to, to bring him back, because he's her friend, and she's loyal to him and the the friendship and the just the history that they've built together over the last several years uh they is is just it's so important to her that she will do everything that she can to pull him out of whatever this is that's affecting all the clones and obviously she you know somewhat learns and, and discovers what it is and is able to to save him, take out his chip, and, you know, in all likelihood, uh, saves Rex from himself. You know, uh, all the clones seem to not only turn on the Jedi with this order, but kind of get their their mind factory reset, if you will. They lose all of their, you know, not all, but most of their individuality, it seems, uh, in many cases, after Order 66. And she's able to to save Rex and to keep him as her friend uh, and not just another mindless clone at the end of it all. And uh, just that devotion and that dedication to, to her friend in the midst of all this chaos and tragedy uh, is just such a, such an impactful and, touching thing to me and I, I just love love that that dedication and drive that she has there so yeah that's um gosh it's such a such a great moment um and you know i'll just kind of say yes i agree with the whole sense of it's, it's really <laughs> about her loyalty right um even yes. though she's not been part of the grand army of the republic for this is this is the one thing with the ahsoka story that is uh, you know, the Clone Wars really only last three years. And yet, uh, you know, this final final few episodes when she meets up with Anakin again, you'd think they hadn't seen each other in like at least five years. But it's at most been two years, um, more, more likely than not only a year. But um, but all that to mm -hmm. say, you know, all that that long experience she's had living with Rex and fighting alongside Rex, you know, she clearly sees him as a brother in arms. Um and yeah, it is so loyal to him and and helping free him from this chip that has, in a way, taken control of him. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, uh, and and that's something I know I'll, I'll mention a little bit later as well with one of my other moments. But I 
I don't want to. I don't want to say these sorts of things to imply that they're they're not Ahsoka's own attributes too. But all that to say, like she clearly being the student of Anakin has shown her that it's okay to be very loyal to people, right? That's Anakin. Yeah. Anakin is not your everyday Jedi because he doesn't care about ideals. He cares about people. Um, and I think that that ideology is very true for Ahsoka as well. And I think this is one of those, one of the many instances that proves that is her, her loyalty is to Rex more than anything else in this moment. Absolutely. And, and that, that quality that she developed uh, is something that she learned from Anakin, uh, but obviously, you know, does does so in her own way. Um, but yeah, absolutely, that's that's a fair, that's a very good point. So yeah, but uh, it's your number three. What do you got? It is indeed. Um, I'm going to take us to the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston. Um, so for those of you who have never read the novel. Apologies, but spoilers following. So if you have not read the novel and really don't know anything about it and want to be spoiler free, I would recommend maybe just fast forwarding the next five minutes. <laughs> um, but uh, you've been warned. <laughs> so uh, the Ahsoka novel is it's just really good. And also um, it's very fun to listen to because Ashley Eckstein narrates it on Audible. Um, yes. But uh, so much of this novel um, oh, I'll mention the moment itself. It's it's towards the end of the story when she uh, purifies some kyber crystals, which then become her white lightsabers. Um, but so much of this novel, right, it takes place after Order 66 has happened. It takes place after the fall of the Republic, the rise of the Empire. This is an Ahsoka who's just trying to live on the run, who's trying to hide her force abilities to, to stay safe. Um, and... The, so much of the novel is about her being confused about, you know, what is my place in this galaxy? What is my purpose? And by the end of the story, she becomes Fulcrum. She connects with Bail Organa and starts, you know, participating in early movements of the rebellion. Um, and to me, so much of her journey is personified through this moment at the end of the story where uh, we encounter another Inquisitor, the sixth brother who shows up. Uh, I don't remember the name of the planet um, where much of the story takes place and she fights him. Now, I basically if you want to know this novel in, in a very nutshelled story version, just watch the third episode of Ahsoka's Ark and Tales of the Jedi. It still annoys me a little bit that they kind of just retold this story. It, it kind of pisses me off as somebody who really loves novels and the way they just seem to ignore what's in the novel. But be that as it may, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's this really great scene in the novel where she she fights the sixth brother, beats him pretty easily, just like she does in the Tales of the Jedi episode. And then she you know, destroys his lightsabers and pulls out the kyber crystals. And also the Ahsoka novel is, if I remember correctly, Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, if you know, but I'm pretty sure in the Ahsoka novel is where we first got the canon explanation of how uh, Sith lightsabers are made or how red lightsaber blades are made, which is essentially by bleeding the kyber crystal. Um, I'm, I, that, I think that's true. The only other um, place I could think of it, and I don't know where it fell timeline wise, but I'm pretty sure that's also true in the Vader comic. Um, I know when Vader makes his Sith lightsaber that we get that concept. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if it was in that first and then Ahsoka or vice versa, but all that to say, um, it was, it was all right around the same time. Exactly. So it, they could have been coordinated. Good point. <laughs> yeah. Um, but when Ahsoka takes those, those Kybers out of the, the sixth brothers lightsaber and um, purifies them into these white kybers that become, you know, her, her future lightsabers. To me, it's very much about her kind of accepting her place in the galaxy again, that she is a force user. Again, I whether she never really as far as it's been a little bit since I've read the book, but I don't know that she ever really refers to herself as a Jedi again. And it's fair to say she probably doesn't because in the Rebels you know, seasons later on, she clearly says, I am no Jedi. Um, but all that to say, she recognizes that she is a force user, that she has an, an innate gift that the force has gifted her with. And it's her duty to use that for the good of the galaxy. Um, so to me, like her purifying those Kybers, it's also a purification of herself. It's this purification of, of letting go of all the baggage she's been carrying and understanding that I do have this gift with the force and I'm going to live into that. 
Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to join in the fight for the light. Um, so I, I really love that. And, and even early on in the novel, we get some little side things about her collecting all these like spare mechanical parts. She's clearly building lightsaber hilts, um, early on in the story, almost as just like something to do with her spare time, but doesn't really have the heart of them, right? Like a lightsaber hilt is useless without a Kyber. And, you know, Mm -hmm. as this story unfolds and Ahsoka realizes, what a threat the Sith and the dark side are to the galaxy. She kind of accepts her responsibility in that fight as somebody who's gifted with the force. And this instance of purifying those Kybers to me is really her purifying her own experience and entering back into the fight. Yeah, no, that's a, it's a great, uh, a great way to put that because the novel is about her, you know, trying, you know, trying to to fade into the the background and to you know disappear essentially and then through interactions with Bail Organa and you know the the empire showing up on this planet that she has adopted uh in a sense uh and she realizes that she still has a role to play and the final step in that is to retake these kybers and forge her own sabers uh in in order to to take that those her to take her place take those steps back into the galaxy uh as as a defender of the innocent um and and it's such a good moment it's such a, a really good fascinating moment as she is able to purify the crystals. So yeah, great pick. Um, totally spaced on that one, but I'm really glad you have it here because it deserves to be talked about. Absolutely. Um, is it number two now? I think that's where we're at. It sure is. Excellent. Um, and this is one that I was surprised was as high as it ended up being on my list. Uh, we're going to go to... Um, I believe it's season four of the Clone Wars or season three. No, it is season four. Season four of the Clone Wars uh, to the episodes Citadel Rescue. Maybe it is Mm. season three. I don't remember. I looked it up and then didn't write it down. Um, (laughs) I think that's season three. It is. Okay. Um, But uh, yeah, season three, Citadel Rescue, uh, where we're nearing the end of the story. Anakin and Obi-Wan step away from the rest of the group to try and draw off some of the, uh, the attackers where Ahsoka and even Peel are continuing to move forward with the rest of the clones. Well, you know, the attack comes, the, the Anuba, which are the, the, these wolf creatures that, uh, the separatists have unleashed. Uh, plus, uh, you know, their, their cadre of droids and all of that, um, find both groups and attack. Well, Ahsoka and even Peel make a, a fantastic final stand. Uh, and then, but even Peel in the, you know, in the course of that is grievously injured. And the whole purpose of this episode that they're going to rescue even Peel and, uh, is it Captain Tarkin at that time? I think he's captain. At I the think time. he's captain. Yeah. Uh, uh, is they each have half of the coordinates for a hyperspace route that the Republic needs in order to get their troops throughout the galaxy. Um, and in his dying breath, even Peel gives his half of the coordinates to Ahsoka. Uh, and... They are able to, you know, Ahsoka very reverently is has to bring Master Peel's body to the rest of the group, uh, and they they have a an impromptu funeral for him. But Ahsoka's honor and her, uh, you know, devotion to to what he asked of her, the end. She refuses to share the. Uh, the coordinates with anybody except the Jedi Council because that's who he asked her to. Even though Tarkin is like, no, 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 no. We, sh- we, sh- we need to share them with the Chancellor. Uh, and he 
he refuses to share his with the the, the Jedi Council. Uh, he will only do do it with the Chancellor, and she stands firm against him and the the military the the, the needs of the military there, and she's going to uh, honor the wishes, the final wishes of of this Jedi Master who she fought alongside. Um, I don't know. It, for whatever reason, making this list, this one stuck out to me a lot, and uh, I thought it was a really good one. So uh, it just... I really enjoyed these episodes in general, the Citadel episodes in general, uh, and so kind of culminating everything there with that decision of hers to to stand firm and to to honor the wishes of, of someone. Uh, it just shows her, you know, obviously her, her loyalty and her honor once again, which is a, a quality that I think is very, very uh, key to, to Ahsoka and all of this. So, yeah, <clears throat> that I, I like you, Jason. I also love that Citadel arc. It's, it's a lot of fun. Um, and, and and the seeds for why I hate Tarkin. Um, and hate him in, the, in all the right ways. I think Tarkin is one of the best villains in Star Wars. Um, Absolutely. You know, he, yes. he's, he's kind of the, the Joffrey from Game of Thrones of Star Wars in a lot of ways and, to me. And Ahsoka doesn't quite trust him, which right. I always thought was nice. Which will, and, and you know, obviously he's going to be a key part in her trial later on. Um, yeah. But, you know, just, just to your point, I think what, what I glean from, from all of that stuff uh, from the Citadel arc with, with Ahsoka, and especially like you said, Jason, with the kind of this, this, uh, this faithfulness to even peel, um, it really shows just how much Ahsoka loves being a Jedi at the end of the day, right? Mm-hmm. Like she, she really cares about her, her fellow Jedi. Um, and, and I think that's really important for thinking about, you know, the trajectory of what's going to happen to Ahsoka in relationship to the Jedi, right? Like moments like this show just how much the ways of the Jedi matter to her, right? Like that he be given a proper Jedi burial, right? Like that he's not just cast aside as a, as a, as a victim of the, of the war and of the battle, but mm-hmm. he, that he deserves the rights that it, and dignity of a Jedi who's fallen in battle. Um, right. That really matters to Ahsoka. And, and by yeah. extension, I think what really matters to Ahsoka is her love of being a Jedi. Um, and, you know, that's that's going to have some pretty big uh, impact on on part of her character arc. Yeah, absolutely. That it, it's it's a great stepping stone for where we end up yeah. uh, at a certain point. So. But what about you? What's uh, what's your number two? Yeah, uh, well, my number two, um, we are going to be back in the Clone Wars um, and to the final season of Clone Wars. Um, shoot, I forgot to write down the episode title, um, but it's the episode where she faces down Maul on Mandalore, yeah. um, which yeah. I believe is in the second episode of that arc. Um, Sounds right. Fan- yes. And I think the title of that episode is, is Phantom Apprentice. Um but uh, anyway, I mean, this is I mean, that Siege of Mandalore arc is also, you know, um, among Star Wars fans, I think one of the most beloved stories within Star Wars. And we're not just talking animation here. We're probably talking for some folks. This is as good as some of the movies. Um, oh, yeah. If not better. Um, but uh, I, yeah, I, I love that. It is specifically that scene where she's facing down Maul in the, the throne room on Mandalore. And, you know. Maul is revealing to her that things are already falling apart. You know, she doesn't see it yet, but the Jedi are, are, are already fallen. The, the Republic has already fallen, right? And it reveals that Sidious has been the mastermind behind everything. And what I find so striking is that Maul then extends his hand to her, right? It's a very Star Wars moment, right? This is Kylo to Rey, Vader to Luke, you know, Anakin to Padme. You know, it's so iconic within Star Wars is you have somebody who who sits in the dark side extending their hand to somebody in the light. Um, and a lot of times it's them pleading for help from the dark. Um, but Maul is, you know, turning to Ahsoka and pleading for her help. You know, join forces with me. You know, together we could probably go after Sidious. Maybe we could stop this mayhem before it even begins. Now, granted, you know, even if they were to do that, they have very different motives. And I think they're both aware of that. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it would at least mean eradicating a very big evil. 
And Ahsoka considers it. And I think that's really important. Ahsoka says, I will help you, but tell me why you wanted Anakin, right? Um, and for Ahsoka to be willing to, you know, she was open to taking Maul's hand. Um, she was willing to pursue this with him. It shows that she has a comfortability with other outcasts, you know, um, and also her time mm-hmm. outside of the order, right? The, 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 the Martell sister arc, which is the previous arc to this, you know, she really gets a feel for what it's like for the people living in kind of the gutters of the galaxy, right? And, and how they see the Jedi and how they see this clone war. And ah- Ahsoka has been, her eyes have been opened to something much bigger than what she was able to see as, as a Jedi Padawan. Um, and for her willingness to, to at least be open to taking Maul's hand shows that she is a different character, right? The, the Padawan Ahsoka, the Padawan of the Jedi Order of the Clone Wars, would have absolutely denied Maul's hand without question. Mm-hmm. There was nothing Maul could have absolutely. said, right? Um, but this is a different Ahsoka. This is an Ahsoka that has kind of seen the world for the for the kind of the grayness of it, right? Like for the, the nuance of the galaxy. And she's open to taking Maul's hand. Um, which I just find fascinating. Um, but then she asked the question of why do you want Anakin? And Maul basically says, I want to kill him, right? I want to deprive Sidious of his primed pupil. Um, and that's when everything changes for Ahsoka because she clearly still deeply loves Anakin, right? Mm-hmm. And she is completely unwilling to listen to Maul's under, like Maul's saying, like, oh, he's already been groomed. He's already the pupil of Sidious. Ahsoka refuses to believe that Anakin could ever fall, right? And I think, um, and think to earlier, just like that first episode of this arc when she is reunited with Anakin and just how much Anakin believes in her, how much Anakin still cares for her, of course she's going to give that back in spades. Um, so it shows, once again, kind of to a point you made earlier, Jason, with the, the, the stuff about Rex, Ahsoka is still wildly loyal to Anakin. That's her sky guy, right? Like, she just does not believe that he would fall. And as a result, she ignites those blades, right? She springs into action for the pure, to me for the pure reason of protecting Anakin, for protecting the person she cares about. And once again, it really showcases to me that very similar to Anakin, she cares more about people than ideals. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, she, she's not going to join forces with Maul now because he's posing a threat to one of the people she cares most about in the galaxy. Um, and that's really what's going on in that moment and why I think it's just so good. And then, of course, you go into one of the coolest duels ever. I mean, I would argue it's the coolest duel in Star Wars animation. And and I think part of that is just simply the fact that they used motion capture, right? Like, they brought Ray Park back. They motion captured this whole fight. It looks so real. I mean, there's some awesome duels throughout Star Wars animation. But I, I think there's just something really special about this one. Um so and it's yeah. it is it is a really cool duel between two kind of outcast apprentices. Like it's it's awesome. No, it's it's spectacular. The the duel in and of itself is spectacular. But you're right. The whole lead up to it, uh, she's she's interested in listening to him about you know the the Sith controlling everything and uh, Sidious being behind all of this and how he's trying to bring about the the destruction of the Jedi because she's experienced the the fracturing of the jedi order you know firsthand obviously she she's seen sort of the the cracks and the the fragility the jedi order is experiencing um in all of that and and that gives her pause and to to consider his offer but you're right the it's people that matter more to her, particularly those that she loves, like Anakin, that causes her to spring into action against Maul. And I would say the the people become much more important than the ideal. Uh, you know, the, it was probably it was like that for her throughout the Clone Wars, anyways, but it became more accentuated after her trial uh you know people became much more important to her than the ideals because the ideals can sometimes get corrupted uh by those who are either ignorant or malevolent uh as you know 
depending on on who <laughs> on who that person is. So, uh, but yeah, such a spectacular pick, uh, and and I love it so much. And it's weird that it did not make my list, um, but uh, that might just be because I need to go back and rewatch those episodes. <laughs> so, <laughs> which oh, such a chore to have yeah. to go back and rewatch right. the Siege of Mandalore. Sorry to inconvenience you with so much fun. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, however, my number one is definitely my number one because of my rewatch of Rebels. So we're going to head into Rebels one last time, into the breach. And uh, we're going to hit Twilight of the Apprentice. However, it's not just the duel between Ahsoka and Vader. It's the moment where she tells Anakin, I won't leave you, not this time. And it, it's bringing all of this full circle again. She's, you know, she walked away. She walked away from Anakin at the end of the Order. The Order 66 tore them apart. They never, you know, she thought he was dead. Uh, Especially, you know, after the the concerning story that Maul told her about Palpatine's plans for Anakin uh, and all of this. And she she comes to realize that Vader is her former master. You know, Anakin has become Darth Vader. And even though, even in the face of the fact that it appears he has no inclination of any sort of reconciliation, any sort of uh, of coming to some sort of agreement or or truce between the two of them, that he seems hell bent on or Mustafar bent on <laughs> killing her. Um, <laughs> no matter what, she still decides to stand there and say, "I won't leave you, not this time." Uh, it's again, it's that compassion and that loyalty that is one of the greatest attributes of Ahsoka, uh, I think. And it's, you know, it's such an impactful moment. And as of right now, you know, as I said, uh, just rewatched that episode uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, it is riding high for me. So that is why it is my number one. Uh, and, and it's just a, it has so much weight, you know, as someone who has watched all of the clone wars, uh, multiple times, <laughs> that moment carries so much weight with it, uh, that I, I just, I love it so much. It's really good. And, and, you know, it's similar to some of the things I've mentioned where you're like, yeah, I can't believe it didn't make my list. This is one of those things too. I mean, it's such a great episode, the twilight of the apprentice mm-hmm. and this duel with Ahsoka and Vader. Um, but yeah, that specifically those, that moment of, of her recognizing who he is and, and, and her willingness to stick by his side. And, and I think that's really connected to uh, earlier in that season when she, you know, she and Kanan and Ezra go to the temple on Lothal and she has that vision mm-hmm. of Anakin and it's clearly a vision of guilt that like, I think her mind is producing for her, but you know, this sense of part of the reason Anakin fell is because I walked away, right? She's feeling this right. level of responsibility for something that she's not responsible for. Um, and I think mm-hmm. in that moment, it's this, all right, well, I left you before and look what you became. Well, I'm not going to leave you this time. But I think what's also important is she stays with the resolve of the, I will avenge his death, right? Like um, she, I think she is, you know, as much as she probably doesn't want to strike him down, I think she's committed to ha- to doing that if she has to, though. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um you know, it's interesting. I think I think there's intentionally a lot of parallels between this moment and then, you know, Obi-Wan's duel with with Vader in the Kenobi series, right? Where Kenobi goes into that fight kind of 
you know, one of us will walk away from this, but he's committed to the fact that if it's me, it's because I will have vanquished Darth Vader, but he isn't able to do it, right? He walks away because he sees Anakin's face. He hears Anakin's voice. He's not able to kill the friend that he still believes is in there. And I think for Ahsoka, she does kind of double down on, I will avenge his death, right? Like I will, I will eradicate then this monster that destroyed my master. Um, Mm-hmm. And yet, I don't know if she's able to do it as well, because then when, you know, she cracks the, the mask and I'm trying to remember the order of the fight. Remind me, because you watched it more recently than I did. Uh, when he calls out to her, is that when she resolves to stay or I'm trying to remember the order of the fight? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he says her name. And she says Anakin. Uh, and I forget what he says after that, but. And then she tells him, I won't leave you, not this time. And that's okay. when she pushes Ezra away. Right. And the temple closes them off from Canaan and Ezra. And the rebels have to, to fly away. Right. So, uh, and then obviously we get, you know, a couple of shots of the two of them still dueling uh, as the episode closes out before the temple explodes. And, you know, there's more to that uh, once we hit world between worlds uh but that's not that's not part of this moment (laughs) yeah so right but yeah no i mean but that is a great moment you know just that resolve to stay with him to Mm -hmm. to try to you know be there for this person that she felt like she abandoned even though she she really didn't (laughs) you know right Um, right it's it's such a complicated emotional place for for all of them but in that moment that's what she feels she needs to do and uh you know it might get her killed but she's resolved to do it and it's it's amazing yeah um well that will then lead into my number one uh which uh clearly is my favorite ahsoka moment and it's the it's the moment when she leaves the order um, mm-hmm. which is in the, the season finale of uh, the uh, season five. Um, and embarrassed to say, I don't remember the name of that episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, it, it, that whole arc is great. But that, that particular moment when she chooses to walk away, it, it, it's such an impactful moment. And if you think about it too, Jason, right? Remember like Clone Wars got, got canceled a little bit after this episode, right? So even though there was yeah. the intentionality to continue the story at that time, you know, for, for a couple of years, at least that was where the clone wars ended <laughs> was yeah. Ahsoka walking away from the order. And I think that in a lot of ways, that's, that's says so much. Um, and I think first and foremost, why I love this so much, and this is my favorite attribute of Ahsoka's character is her willingness to walk away from systems, organizations, people that mistreat you or abuse you. Um, I don't know that I would, I don't think I would go quite as far as to say that the the Jedi Order abused her, um, but they certainly mistreat her to Mm -hmm. a royal degree. And I think Ahsoka choosing to walk away is such a testament to her character that she knows she deserves better than that. And she does. Um, and man, does that, does that arc make me hate Mace Windu even more? <laughs> I hate him so much. <laughs> he is the worst Jedi um, in so many ways. Uh, but back to Ahsoka. Um, and, you know, I think Ahsoka's character, you know, just even thinking about why she was even created, right? She was kind of the brainchild of Filoni, and George Lucas. And I think Ahsoka provided this window into the Clone War and specifically for young people. And Ahsoka's experience, specifically in this arc and, and that decision to leave the Order, is it's a very clear way of highlighting the brokenness of the Jedi Order during the prequel era. And that's the whole point of what George was doing with the the story of the Jedi in the prequels is he purposely showed them as this flawed, broken order. And that's why they fell. Right. Um, And, Mm -hmm. you know, quick sidebar. There's a lot of commentary from folks like, yeah, the Jedi have always been awful. They're terrible. Nope. That's never what George was saying is George was saying the Jedi are incredibly important. um, But they fell into this kind of dogmatic uh, 
regiment that that corrupted them. And Ahsoka's story is the way that really highlights that, right? We often talk on this show, Jason, about kind of microcosm and macrocosm, right? That there's the stuff is always going on in Star Wars. Attack of the Clones yeah. being kind of the perfect example, right? The, the 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 emotional journey of Anakin mirrors kind of the journey of the galaxy at large. Um, right. And I think that's true yeah. of Ahsoka. Ahsoka's journey is the journey of what it's like to be in the Jedi Order during the prequel era, and it's it's not the safest space <laughs> all the time. Um, oh wow! I, you you're saying that, and I literally my what popped into my head is in terms of the Jedi, Ahsoka walking away was Anakin's heart leaving him. In terms mm. of the Jedi, obviously, mm. Padme is his heart. Sure, uh, you know, in you know, above and beyond all of this. But in terms of 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 following the Jedi Order his heart and his devotion was Ahsoka and she left. And that's kind of emblematic of the fact that the Jedi order at this point in their history have lost their heart. Mm, I like that. They don't, yeah. their, their heart is gone. And, and Yoda seems to recognize it throughout all of this, but he's, he feels like there's nothing he can do about it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sorry that that no, just I love that. popped into my head when yeah, you were, no, that's you were great. talking. So I love that. Um, but but Ahsoka's decision to walk away is really important because she knows that there is more out there for her, um, and you know um, she tells Anakin that she has to leave and figure this out for herself. Um, and, and and I love this exchange when Anakin says like I understand more than you realize you know, wanting to leave the order. And this is the last line that Ahsoka says to Anakin until obviously they're reunited. But she says, I know, you know, so I can't, so Star Wars, right? Um, yeah, but it's right. this, this, this acknowledgement that she clearly is on to Anakin and Padme. Now, again, whether or not she knows they're married, I don't think really matters. But I think she knows that Anakin has a relationship with Padme that he's not supposed to have. Um, and this indicates that she clearly is okay with protecting that secret. Um, mm-hmm. you know, she, yeah. she identifies with Anakin, which probably makes things even harder for Anakin in this moment. Yeah. Uh, cause it probably makes him love her even more because wow, she knew this about me and never said anything, you know, to my detriment. Um, but the, the, I guess the last thing I want to say, and this is, this is my favorite thing about Ahsoka's character, which is surmised in this moment is, you know, again, this is a character that was created for young people. The Clone Wars is primarily made for young people. Um, You know, I mean, I think there's just there's so much in it for us adult fans as well. And that's great. But at the end of the day, Ahsoka was created for young Star Wars fans and Ahsoka making this conscious decision of walking away from the order shows to young people that it's okay to leave the farm to use Star Wars language and figure things out Mm -hmm. for yourself. Right. That it's okay to walk away from from people or institutions don't believe in you that don't trust you that don't give you the respect and dignity that you deserve ahsoka walks away from that because it's not good for her and essentially what she is saying to every single young person that loved her character and again ignore all the jerk asshole fans that hated her from day one and crapped all over ashley Eckstein. right she's been very vocal about that in the last couple of months about how mean star wars fans for her and, her. and that's no unfortunately that's just not new right ahmed best dealt with it um kelly marie tran dealt with it john boyega dealt with it daisy ridley is like there are a lot of just asshole star wars fans out there and you know who you are you're probably not listening to the show which great we don't want to hear <laughs> um but uh you know like the, the juvenile toxicity of those folks that never allow characters to come into their own. And, and, and this, but, but that was never the case for young fans. Young fans loved Ahsoka in the same way that young fans love Jar Jar Binks, right? That's who these characters were made for. And their stories matter to those young people. And Ahsoka's story kind of culminating to a degree and this moment of her walking away from the order tells young people, when you are in a place in life that is not giving you the respect and dignity you deserve, walk away. Because you're worth more than that. And I think that's what I love most about Ahsoka. And that's why my this will probably forever be my favorite Ahsoka moment. And one of my favorite moments in all of the Clone Wars. Um, I just love the testament of what she declares by walking away. Yeah, it's 
It's a fantastic moment. Um, it's a very, very good moment. It's not one of my favorite moments because I, you know, I, I, I love Anakin and Ahsoka together, and so seeing them torn apart like that is ah, uh, it, it hurts. Um, but it is a very good moment, and it's it's such a, a a poignant moment because it really is. There's a whole arc of growth that we see from the Clone Wars movie up until this point. Obviously, she continues to grow as we, you know, get her in more episodes and in Rebels and all of this stuff. But this, you know, the arc that she goes on throughout the Clone Wars from her introduction as Anakin's Padawan to this this point where she walks away is incredible. Um, And it's, it's... it's a spectacular story. Uh, it's a spectacular feat of storytelling uh, that I, I have to give Dave and George credit for. Um, and obviously Ahsoka, or excuse me, Ahsoka, Ashley as well, because <laughs> she helped bring all of that to life, uh, you know, through these, these episodes and the, the stories that were, that were written in all of this. So uh, it's spectacular, spectacular. And uh impactful enough on the fandom that Ahsoka keeps coming back uh, <laughs> in more and more projects. And obviously, uh, as we've seen, has made the jump to live action and is about to have her own TV show, Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So, I mean, um, and obviously, Jason, you know, we we shared our favorite moments there, but there are so many moments that we did not mention that are great Ahsoka moments uh, that mm-hmm. I'm sure if you are listening, you're probably like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe you didn't mention this, that or the other thing. Um, so as always, we want to we want to get your feedback uh, on some of your favorite Ahsoka moments. Um, Jason, before we do that, it, worth noting, because as we sit here recording, we are merely a, essentially a half an hour away from the premiere of the new Ahsoka show on Disney plus, mm-hmm. but we just want to share on air. Cause not a, probably not all of you that listen may, may not be social media folks, but we shared this on our social media a couple of days ago, but we have made the decision not to talk about the new Ahsoka series um, in light of the, uh, the writer and actors guild strikes that are going on right now. Uh, these particular unions have asked folks that have podcasts that have influences to not talk about these things on air until the strikes have been resolved because it's essentially just free promotion for the studios. Again, we are not here to weigh what other folks choose to do. I'm not here to judge you if you choose to keep talking about it. Trust me, we both really want to talk about it. Don't, <laughs> yes. don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, but, you know, uh, I think uh, for me, you know, Obi-Wan's quote from A New Hope has been a guiding force. You must do what you feel is right, of course. And doing what I feel is right doesn't mean that I'm saying that others are wrong. Um, but what feels right to me in my bones is to side with the folks that are being impacted by the gross uh, lack of dignity that the studios are showing the actors and the writers. Um, and, you know, I've seen a lot of ignorant statements out there about, oh, these people are all filthy rich. This isn't we're not talking about the Tom Hanks and the Tom Cruises. We're talking about all those people that live in between. Um, these are the yeah, folks your voice who are, actors, folks, your voice actors, your and your folks that, you know, the, the way that AI is taking over things and the way that they want to just take people in, pay them pennies and then just use them forever. You know, if, if you really want to know about this, inform yourself before you shoot off at the mouth, because there's a lot going on here and a lot of which that I still don't understand. But all that to say. We have made the decision not we are going to talk about this show as soon as this strike is resolved. We cannot wait to talk about this show when the strike is resolved again in favor of the writers and the uh, the actors, the studio execs. These are some of the most greedy human beings in the world who don't understand any of the life lessons of Star Wars. Star Wars is all about being selfless. Studio execs are far from that. Bob Iger is one of the worst of them. And I want to say that on air because he is the obvious CEO of Disney. He is not a good person. He is a Palpatine in so many ways. <laughs> um, so I don't have I don't have much compassion when you are a multi billionaire and you're not willing to give up a few million of that for the benefit of the good of others. Like you do not understand Star Wars. So that is why I I don't want to speak for you, Jason. But that is why I am choosing not to do this. Um, and like like we but like I said, we cannot wait to talk about this as soon as things are resolved in favor of the dignity of those on strike. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, obviously 
we are an evergreen podcast here. So, uh, you know, we have a, a lot of freedom with where we can, you know, have our, our conversations and talk about stuff next. So um, we've got some, some really fun stuff planned, uh, you know, coming up. But, you know, fingers crossed, the strike will end sooner rather than later so that we can actually talk about the show because both of us are literally, like, shaking in our seats in excitement <laughs> uh, for the show to premiere. Um, we both have plans to go watch it with people. So, uh, yeah, we'll be, we'll be enjoying it, but we're gonna, we'll talk about it uh, when the strike is done because, I, you know, we just can't hold it, hold it forever. Um, but uh, in light of what we were talking about in this uh, episode, if you want to weigh in on some of your favorite Ahsoka moments, um, you know, Ashley Eckstein is such a wonderful person. I uh, got to meet her for the first time at Fan Fusion or yeah, Phoenix Fan Fusion this year. So I <laughs> it, thoroughly enjoyed talking about all this and was thinking <laughs> about her while we were talking about this episode. Um, but Carl, if people want to weigh in on all of that, where can they do that? Yeah, uh, well, we are on Instagram at the Wampas Lair. You can also follow us on Twitter at Wampas Lair, or you can always email us at wampaslairpodcast at gmail.com. Excellent. And anything else you want to say before we close out this episode? Uh, I'm just ready to get some more of Snips, buddy. There we go. Uh, let's, uh, you know, fired up R2 and let's uh, call Sky <laughs> Guy and we'll be out of here. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to this episode of the Wampus Lair podcast. This is episode number 524, top five Ahsoka moments. For Carl, I'm Jason, and we'll see you next time here in the Wampus Lair.